1: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 53 of Waking Up to Narcissism. I am your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and host of the Virtual Couch podcast as well. Highly recommend you go check that one out. And today's guest is a fellow therapist named Kristen Hill. Kristen and I had initially exchanged messages on Instagram where she shared with me that she had a pretty incredible story about surviving a narcissistic in-law during the holidays as well as being a therapist who works with young mothers, many of whom are also dealing with some sort of narcissism or emotional immaturity as they learn more about their extended family. So today we talk about Kristen's story, which, again, ironically came to a breaking point around the holidays many years ago. So Merry, Merry Narcissistic Christmas, everybody. So we'll talk about her experience and we get into a discussion about just the process of beginning to speak up or stand up to the narcissist in the family And the bumps and bruises along that path, especially when you're the one married into what we would call the narcissistic family system or an incredibly emotionally immature family system, because that family system has been built around everybody taking on particular roles, learning how not to rock the boat. And one of the things that's interesting, because I hear this often in my office, when somebody does start to figure out that, all right, there's somebody in the family dynamic that is not... Emotionally mature or narcissistic, and they're the one that keeps just not taking ownership, accountability of things, putting things on everybody else, creating this dynamic where there's a scapegoat, there's a golden child that there's usually ahead of that narcissistic family system. And when people start to really recognize that, they often hear these things like, you know, that's just just how your mother is, or learn to pick your battles from talking with grandma because you know she's not going to take ownership or really own up to her part of anything. And that can be very frustrating. And sometimes or oftentimes the person that's starting to wake up to that unhealthy dynamic just says, all right, I maybe I have to be the one that confronts grandma or confronts the narcissist. And we talked a couple episodes ago about how that isn't the most productive thing. But typically, we don't know that until after the fact. It's a good old hindsight is 2020. So before I get to the interview today, Head over to TonyOverbay.com and sign up to get on my email list because I can't even begin to tell you all the exciting, fun things that are coming in 2023, which I know is just around the corner. I have a Magnetic Marriage podcast coming soon, and I'll be launching an updated version of my Magnetic Marriage course. So the uh, course is far more in-depth than the workshop that I talk about often. So I've got the Magnetic Marriage course that is coming soon to an internet near you. And then the Magnetic Marriage Workshop is still available. And that is, again, different than the full-blown course. The workshop is at tonyoverbay.com slash workshop. And that's the the $19 90-minute. You will get some immediate takeaways that will help your relationship there in 90 minutes or less, money back guarantee. So that's at tonyoverbay.com slash workshop. And uh, I'm, I'm going to start talking a lot about a waking up to narcissism question and answer podcast. It's going to be separate than this waking up to narcissism podcast. And that is uh, going to be a premium podcast through Apple podcasts that will um, have a small monthly charge. But then the proceeds of that podcast will help fund a nonprofit that helps people that are in these relationships, narcissistic, toxic relationships, get the help they need, whether that's going to be help with counseling, help with legal fees, whatever that looks like. That's something that I've been waiting on for a long time. There's been a lot behind the scenes that are going into that. I can't wait to tell you more about that. So watch for that soon. And then I also just Recorded a bunch of episodes of a podcast that I have never talked about. That is going to be in essence true crime meets the virtual couch, and that's with one of my daughters. And we've got a bunch of episodes we've already recorded, and that one's going to launch in the first quarter of 2023. So I'll be talking more about that in the the next few weeks or months as well. So just go sign up at TonyOverbay.com and you'll learn all about those things and more. So let me get to this interview with Kristen Hill, and if you're interested, you can also check out this interview over on the Virtual Couch YouTube channel. And I do have. Chris- Kristen's bio in the show notes, and you can go to KristenHillTherapy.com and learn more about her because she has she talks about it, but she has a pretty fascinating background and how she got into the work that she does. And I will tell you, we get a little nerdy about a thing called EMDR early on. And I even remember while we were interviewing where I thought, man, we should probably pause and just explain EMDR a little bit. So if you're not familiar with EMDR, it's EMDR is Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And it's a type of therapy that was developed back in 1988, the year I graduated high school. And it's become a real popular form of treatment for trauma therapy. EMDR is used a lot for specific trauma-related incidents, and she talks about birth trauma, but there's, there's more and more that we're taking a look at, can EMDR be effective with relationship trauma? So we talk a little bit about that, and that is a fascinating thing. So maybe I'll throw a link in the bio to some information about EMDR as well. And I interviewed actually an old high school classmate of mine over on the virtual couch a couple of years ago named Laura about EMDR, and it's a fascinating interview. So I would highly recommend that if you just are curious about EMDR in general. Without further ado, my interview with Kristen Hill. Kristen Hill, waking, waking, take three at this point. Welcome. Here we go. Welcome to uh, a podcast. I was going to say waking up to narcissism, but part of me wonders, I think this might be a virtual couch and waking up to narcissism material. Yeah. Sure. But I love, here's a quick train of thought. I love going to movies and every now and again, I can go to one and I know nothing about the movie and I just think it's so, I enjoy it a little bit more, but sometimes there's duds. Okay, But That's not me saying mm-hmm. that there's a potential dud in the interview. Don't get me wrong, but we had traded a couple of emails and you have yeah. your own experiences around narcissism and you are also mm-hmm. a therapist. Is that correct?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I'm really just going to step back and say, okay, Kristen, take it away and tell me about who you oh, are wow. and, and, Yeah, and then tell okay. me your story. And so I'm looking forward to this.
2: Okay, well, feel free to interject at any point. Okay, Um, sounds good. Uh, Well, I'm I'm in Seattle, and I've been a therapist for, God, I don't know, like 14 years. I specialize in perinatal therapy, so any of the infertility, postpartum, birth oh, okay. trauma, all that stuff. That's in can, I you, can I ask
0: you a question yes. about
1: being in Seattle? And this might sound like a therapist hack bit, but do you find that people are more or less depressed because of the rain or the oh. gloom or that sort of thing?
2: I guess I don't know because I don't have a lot to compare it to. Yeah. Because you know, I, I mean, I practiced briefly in Kansas City and then we moved. But I mean, everyone is definitely deficient in vitamin D. I mean, okay. I think that's
1: just a thing. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, so, you, do you ever do you have people that use the light boxes or light therapy? Yeah. Or,
0: mm-hmm. Okay.
1: I just yeah, bought one I do, but I those think, are so bright. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah.
2: They are very bright. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard because I think I'm seeing people too under such a specific depressed gotcha you know, situation for the most part. Yeah. So it's hard to know what's always what, but
1: yeah. And good what question. I don't, I haven't really worked with that population. So really what does your typical client come in and what are their challenges? And yeah. How does that look?
2: Yeah. Usually they come to me if they're pregnant and have had like, so I, I have a specific specialty in birth trauma. Okay. Um, I came to it by way of myself experiencing it. And that's kind mm-hmm. of how we sometimes do go through that. Yeah. Right. We then yeah. find a passion And so a lot of people come to me if they've had a traumatic birth, if they have had a previous one and are pregnant again, if they are having anxiety or depression while they're pregnant, wanting to kind of get ahead of it, or often, most often after they're pregnant and really struggling with anxiety, depression, any PTSD symptoms from birth, which like one in three women view their births as traumatic. So it's quite a few women actually that struggle with symptoms.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I felt, okay. So I haven't really thought of it that way. So then, if that's the case, somebody's just had this traumatic experience and now they are also supposed to now bond with this uh, tiny yeah. human being. I can imagine uh-huh. what, that there's that could be a challenge. What kind of therapy modality or what kind of things do you yeah. do in that situation?
2: Well, I'm trained in EMDR. So okay. that is super effective. Just any of the pieces of, you know, just using any parts of EMDR, even if we don't always do reprocessing, okay. um, any of the, strategies connected to it are so, so helpful. So um, I really come from that lens. And then my history before getting trained, and that is like attachment focused. And yeah. I used to do more couples work. So I was trained in EFT. Okay. Um, so I kind of come from that space too, in a family whole picture, obviously, which as you know, because you're a dad too, yeah, family issues, which is something I've noticed, yeah. just really blow up after you have kids. And yeah. That's also what I kind of end up doing is helping these new mothers and fathers manage that aspect too of family dynamics that they didn't see before. You know, and a lot of it, I think I'd mentioned to you in one of our, my messages, is a lot of my clients have parents with narcissistic tendencies. I'm and that- so I end up Kind of I'm like, wow, that's something that just kind of fell in my lap, but I've already had a lot of experience with it. So yeah, it's fine. But I like what you're I like what you're but, saying,
1: though. It does come from experience because you start to see a pattern. Yeah. Is that what, yeah?
2: Yeah. And so then I kind of end up also coaching them to like how to create their boundaries and yeah. you know, just how to communicate with which that's kind of how I found your podcast. Hmm. Actually, a client sent me your podcast because oh, we well. were working through some of that. And yeah. I was like, Oh, cool. And I started listening to it. And so I've sent it to other clients over the years nice. because it's nice to give them yeah. something listened to to just then more than just me. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I like yeah, what you're saying funny. though,
1: too, because the part where people say, "But our relationship was fine," and it was until I like what you're saying, and then I mean, whatever the traumatic life event is, which could be kids moving, death, any yeah. of those, and then it's almost like that unlocks this part of this person, and now how do they show up in the relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what's your story? Yeah. I, I, I love it. We could. T- I want to talk to you sometime. Oh, <laughs> real, real quick on the EMDR <laughs> front, too. I'm curious if what your thoughts are, maybe this is, we'll have to dig into this on another episode sometime, but do you Uh feel like EMDR can work with relationship trauma as well?
2: I actually do. And I, I haven't been, I should say, I haven't been specifically trained in that EMDR and relationship, but I use it with couples Uh anyway. So, you know, anyone who's listening to this, if they're like, what are you doing? I know that there is training for relationship EMDR. But I just I do use it with them. Sometimes I'll have a client like she'll or he or she will do a set of reprocessing EMDR and have the partner there just to kind of be I like it because it's like that attachment piece like they're Mm. it's creating that secure attachment within that space. So if they feel safe to do it, I'll do that. But I often just use the tools from EMDR with the couple like doing I don't know how familiar
1: you are. And you know, with all I've that actually that, just bought all my equipment and I've done a couple of online trainings, but not the oh, certification. Yeah. So I'm very fascinated uh-huh. by this. Yeah.
2: Well, and I think what's interesting is like I learned, so I got trained in EMDR during the pandemic. Okay. So I haven't used any of the tools I've just yeah. been doing virtual. And so we use like bilateral tapping like this to do okay. all the reprocessing. Yeah. And so I use that with couples all the time just to help them regulate and wow. um, you know, it's really effective, and helps them just come down from if they're
1: in a space of
2: strangulation and anger.
1: Yeah, what I like what you're saying. And I feel like if you says you've you've been doing this for a while, 14 years, and I've been doing it, yeah, Yeah. I don't know, 16, 17 years, and I feel like we do start to really find based off of our experiences, a little bit of what a I've been calling it lately in my head, a customized treatment plan. So I yeah. may pull some attachment things, some EFT related uh-huh. things, some ACT things, yes. and so I, I'm trying to look at the EMDR piece as something to maybe put into my repertoire, I guess, in a sense. So, yeah. I, I like what you're saying. And if yeah. people out hearing this and they that isn't part of their experience, and they say, "Well, that you shouldn't do that," then that's where I go with the good old bless your heart, because you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah, bless your heart. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna do what what works. And so I'll say this real quick, and then I want to get your story because I'm looking up this oh, sure. document that I found that. I really thought it was interesting. So this is where I'm curious to know your thoughts around EMDR. Uh-huh. It's from, are you familiar with uh, Andrew Huberman? Do you know he, I he's like, I, yeah, he's kind yeah, of, a, yeah, he's yeah. Got, a, okay, got a lot of, he's got a lot of videos on okay. YouTube and his podcast is really good as well. And he, okay, here it is. So I have a transcript of one of his Mm -hmm. five minute YouTube video. And he said, so talk therapy where people would feel a positive relationship with a therapist, right? So he said that Mm -hmm. was the primary rationale and association with these traumatic, sometimes shameful type events. The idea is that you would simultaneously have two experiences, a negative one with the feeling of safety, and that would start to rewire the circuitry. And so I liked how Mm -hmm. he said that. And then he talked about that with the uh, EMDR that, and tell me if this is your thoughts too, but he said, so it's in essence, speeding up that process of the, mm-hmm. you know, being able to have a traumatic experience with a safe experience. And then the part mm-hmm. that sold me on it was where he said that when you were a kid and you're just up and you're moving forward, your eyes are moving back and forth to scan for safety. And so then, mm. the right? And the cool way the brain works is according to what he said. And that's why I had to get the transcript of this is that mm-hmm. it was that then it suppresses like the fight or flight chemicals in the amygdala when we can see mm-hmm. that I'm safe. And then, and this is where the stuff that I talk about with the brain that I'm now putting these pieces together. So I may be wrong, but then the brain starts to then skip steps and it says, okay, I don't have to be up and looking back and forth, moving around. (laughs) Eventually I trust that my eyes moving back and forth, I must be safe. And so then, so pressing the cortisol and the brain. And so then, and then eventually it's like, I don't even have to have my eyes doing it. I can be doing it with the tapping. Yeah. And I may be making all of that up.
2: There no, I think that's an interesting way to put it. I, because I haven't used the eye movement a whole lot. Okay. Yeah. I look at it more as like grounding and being really present. Like it's taking you away from that trauma memory that sucks you back. Like you think you're there again. And it mm-hmm. it, it takes you back to the here and now like, Oh, okay. I'm not actually in that space anymore. And then you experience that groundedness with a safe other person That's you know, so it's like you can experience the trauma in a safe place and remember Mm -hmm. that, oh, it's not actually happening now. Yeah, it's over. So I don't know. I think that's interesting what he's saying though. For sure. Yeah. There's yeah, I don't get I don't nerd out super like a whole (laughs) lot on all the scientific, neurological. I wish I did more, but Okay. Yeah, but what's funny is I
1: realized the reason I do is because I want validation. I want people to think I'm smart because oh, I was never very uh-huh. right. So, so now that I'm coming in terms But anyway, okay, see, we can just keep going. All right. So <laughs> then that brings us to your story yes. and working with narcissistic yeah. family systems. So now tell me more. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, okay. So before I worked with narcissist families, I came into a situation where okay. very young at 20, I started dating my husband and didn't know at the time he didn't either but his mom is a pathological narcissist and this is what i'm finding with a lot of my clients who have like narcissistic in-laws you know you you start dating someone and you're young and you don't know what's what right you don't yeah you're coming into a family or trying to respect their whole deal and make a good impression and you know i think generationally like we've all grown up you know, family is important and respect family. And there's been a lot of emphasis on don't make waves and just accept whatever's happening. So there's all that playing in the background. I can, think. can I tell you, this is yeah. an
1: ADHD joke, but I saw uh-huh. a shirt one time I was, and it was this shirt and a bunch of people wearing it. It was a family reunion and it said family uh-huh. over everything. Every, it's a family over everything. Oh God, and yeah. I know, right? And I said to my wife, I'm like, oh, fam, family over emotional abuse, family over mental abuse, uh-uh. family over. And I thought, man, that is, but understand that's where people are coming from. So then it's like, you know, I can't, I can't question them or they're allowed to treat me like crap because they're family and that's not okay. Yeah.
2: And that is, I don't know if you've, I mean, you've worked with tons of, you know, clients who've been in this situation. So it is kind of the, just accept it, just deal, just it's family, you know? So I came from some of that space, obviously, like many of us did. And so in my twenties, I'm like, okay, there's something off with this person, her son who I married. Was her kind of favorite golden child, right? The one that was—he was was the oldest. Do no wrong,
1: yeah. He
2: he was a musical performer. Like he just—he did all the things she wanted him to do. And so I come in, and I'm, you know, I'm not like a docile, quiet person. So I come in, and I'm like, wait, what? You know, (laughs) kind of asking questions, and and respectfully, not really to her, but to my husband. So I married into this situation mm-hmm. where, you know, while we were dating, I had many strange experiences with her kind of trying to assert power and control, mm-hmm. like making my making me put my suitcase in the garage the first time I ever <laughs> stayed at their house.
1: Okay. How what what was the <laughs> rationale behind that?
2: Uh, because the room I was staying in was small. So she thought I that would be nice for me to have more
1: space. In oh, room. that'd be nice. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Okay. To
2: so then walk out in the winter in the cold garage to get my clothes. So and, you know, when you're 20 and you're like, okay, like, I want to respect this person. So mm-hmm. as you can imagine, over the years, lots of buildup of many things. And yet, yeah. because we were young and navigating this dynamic for the first time, we tried to kind of go with the flow and not yeah. make a lot of waves. But it was hard because I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> like, yeah. the family really just kind of... She was the center and they tiptoed around her. I mean, the way they survived was how you do with a narcissist. You just don't make waves, you just kind of like go around her, go behind her. Because that's how his dad survived. And so that's how him and his brother survived also. And then I come in, I start going to grad school, and I'm like, Hey, you know, (laughs) this is weird. I think your mom might be a narcissist. And we start having these conversations. And how did he take that initially?
1: Was yeah, was that like I feel like sometimes it's the yeah was he okay with that or was it a, he
2: was wait, okay be- yeah because he knew she was weird and odd mm-hmm. like <laughs> he knew that her behavior was strange mm-hmm. and he was okay with it but then mm-hmm. it's like the dynamic of okay well how do we and we were still you know mid or 20s he wants a relationship with his parents you know it's like that whole thing where you feel that as the child, you want to have a connection with the parent, even though there's this whole thing going on, mm-hmm. then that's dysfunctional. And of course, he had all, I think it made sense to him suddenly because he had all these history stories with his mom of all this bizarre stuff she would do. I bet. And put them yeah. through their whole life. And so I think it, maybe in a way it was a relief because he was like, oh, that's what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. But we lived far away from them, so we didn't have to deal with them a whole lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of nice, but then at the same time, we didn't have to learn, I think, how to push, how to set some boundaries, right? Because we would just kind of survive visits and then leave, and then there'd be all this residual stuff to the point where I would get really panicky when we would have to see them. Because, oh yeah, because she was so against me. <laughs> yeah. And how many years and into, how many pacific- years into the
1: marriage was that when you started to really realize that? And,
2: and- Oh, I mean, five years, probably. Okay. Yeah. I think I got panicky before then. It was a long time of me just yeah. trying to muscle through because I had a, a sister-in-law who was very like sweet and didn't question things. And just, and here I was like, what is happening? And I was kind of the black sheep being like, Hey, this yeah. is weird. And everyone's like, let's just be cool. Don't rock (laughs) the boat. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. So what kind of spurred everything on is we have a child and she unfortunately happened to be in our home visiting a week after he was born during just a really traumatic, horrible thing that I discovered from my birth and um, she was there. So then we were intertwined in this like traumatic birth thing. Yeah. (laughs) And that wasn't great. Right, so mm. we had all this stuff, just like this ball of—I don't even know what to call it—just
1: a just a big
2: old mess. Mesh, of, yeah, yeah, just a mess. That and okay. all this unspoken stuff, right? Because you okay. don't talk about it. No, because she's not safe. So then we go on this Christmas trip, all of us together. 2013, I had a one-year-old, almost one, and my husband or my husband's brother had two little little kids, like babies, mm. and we're all staying in a house together not smart. <laughs> and My mother-in-law, usually we start noticing a pattern around day three. She can't really hold back all of her narcissistic tendencies anymore. Like she tries to kind of behave, yeah. but then she can't anymore. Yeah, And so around day three, she starts kind of acting up. So one of the things she does is she just wants to Kind of, you know, find ways of having like power and control over everyone. And okay. so she's like, I'm going to heat up dinner for everyone. And so my sister in law, every year we all do the cooking because she's a terrible cook. She does like to cook. So she made a big to do about how she made dinner, heating up the leftovers. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> and she had this unspoken expectation that we would all just come sit at the table. And mm-hmm. start to eat. And she just kept waiting and getting frustrated. Meanwhile, we're tending to little babies. And mm-hmm. she's like bubbling up with anger in the kitchen. And so my husband tries to kind of move things along. So he goes, <laughs> gets a plate, puts a food on it, goes and sits at the table. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like that because it wasn't what she imagined, which was everyone sitting at the table oh, with this nice yeah. meal she had prepared. prepared. She walks over to his plate she picks the food up off the plate with her hands and she takes it back and puts it in the kitchen.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: Right. She's mad. She's very mad. (laughs) And we're all just like, okay. Yeah. And because her sons don't often, you know, they don't really get into it with her a whole lot. But my Uh husband was like, just kind of went off on her. Like, what are you doing? You know, that is crazy. And then they kind of talked it out and then everyone's just quiet and you just move on. Like it didn't happen. And we all well, said can I it ask dinner. you the,
1: the, what is yeah. the talk? Cause I feel like the talk it out even is what does that look it's like? Not, I, it's like? It's like fighting. Right, yeah. And then we, we not talking gonna about. agree to disagree or uh-huh. whatever it is. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't have said it. That was a nice way of putting it. It was like just a little back and forth, snap, 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 and then and as you know, as you know, narcissists they just move right on. So well,
1: that well, that's why I appreciate that because I feel like I hear you with the and then we talked it out because I feel like to the narcissist that really is. I mean, we did we we worked through it. Oh, yeah. We're done. Now let's go ride bikes. Yeah. I mean, we're done. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. In fact, in your podcast the other day, I was just cracking up at so many things you said because <laughs> it was so relatable. The narcissists they want you to to confront them. You know, they, they do. Love it. Like that's yeah, they love it. And you'll see that in this story. Okay. Uh, so we all sit down, we have dinner, act like nothing happened. But I am like seething at this point because I'm like, this is just not, mm-hmm. this is not okay. We're grown up adults. You can't do that. And so we get through the evening and, and then the next morning, so she's, I think already a little, she's more and more heightened, right? Wants mm-hmm. more. I don't know. She feels very, I think out of the loop because she had this whole expectation It's so many years of stuff, but my sister-in-law and I would be close with her and we would, you know, and so we're not because she's not safe. And so she feels outside, right? She feels very on the outside. So she begins to act up when she starts feeling that way, Mm -hmm. you know, after a few days. Yeah, And so that morning we'd asked them if they would watch our kids while we go out, just the four of us for coffee or something. Mm -hmm. We think, oh, they get the grandkids all to themselves. We get a little space. And she would not do it. She just wouldn't do it. It's like, I'm not going to do this thing you want me to do just because I don't want,
1: just because I want to show it, you. Right? I'm hurt. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. I'm hurt. I'm angry. And so, no, I'm not going to do this thing. And so I hear my husband and his brother arguing with her or my husband's arguing with her and his brother's kind of playing the younger child. Let's just stop, you know, yeah. everyone fighting. And I'm in the other room and I've had it. I've just had it. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it anymore. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And I'm, you know, I have a baby and I'm tired. And so I go in in there for the first, it was the first time I've ever pushed back or stood up or anything to her. And I'm just like, I am done with this crap. I'm like, I just, am like, you've got to stop talking to my husband this way. He's your son. You can't treat him this way anymore. This is not Okay. And then I looked at his brother because I was frustrated with him. like, why don't you stick up for him, you know? Mm-hmm. And everyone's just like, what is happening? <laughs> and Because no one does this no. with her. And I, of course, and I'm like, yeah, 30 years old. And I still feel just young and naive in so many ways. <laughs> and,
1: well, and um, I think it, that's that part where it's like, man, I think I can get her to understand. And right. Do you feel like that? that if I, stand I don't up even know if I was trying no. to do that.
2: Okay. I don't okay. think I was trying to get her to understand. I was just like, someone has to stop this. Okay. And I knew my husband wasn't there yet. Like I knew he couldn't do that yet. Right. Like yeah, he wasn't, yeah. he was still trying to figure out his dynamic in the family and, and how to separate out. Right. Right. Well, and Kristen, so, can I can I oh.
1: feel bad even interrupting? But I'm curious about your opinion. So I, you know, I talk about these five steps or rules of you know raise your baseline uh-huh. and PhD and gaslight and get out of unproductive conversations, set boundaries, and there's nothing you'll yeah. do or say that will cause the aha moment. But then I feel like uh-huh. I desperate, I desperately then want not desperately, but I, then I want to go back and say, yeah, there's a difference between I'm not trying to cause them to have the aha moment, but now it does become a boundary that when they do yeah. this, I will do this. Do you feel like that yes. was kind of more of the the vibe that you were? Yes. I
2: definitely don't think I was trying to get through to her, but I just wanted it to stop and no one was stopping it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone was just operating as the family does. It's like this unspoken rule. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm not doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. So it was more, I think about me and us, my husband
1: than her. her And what I like about that, I just did an episode on why you don't confront the narcissist. And I was, you know, I laid it out basically, right. And and I really felt confident about that. But then I also got some feedback that was people Uh saying that, man, that makes sense. But then at some point, and it really was, how do I show others that there is hope almost to extricate themselves from the situation? And I've been thinking about that. So it's ironic that we're talking about this today, because I feel like, that one, it ended with basically yeah. saying, don't even engage at all, period. But I feel like even if somebody now knows what they know, yeah, there still is there room then to have this, again, not confrontation to change, yes. but boundary to say, I like what you're saying, like enough, you know, it is finished. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Okay.
2: And I would add to that, Yeah. that when I work with clients, I, you know, I leave it up to them, obviously, do they want to express right. anything with their parent or partner or whatever, But what we have to get really solid on is their own internal kind of self and expectations. And they have to be clear. Why am I doing this? What do I I want to get from it? Am I solid in my own self enough to do that? So, and then it's like, okay, tell them what you want to tell them, but just know you're not going to get the response you want. And so you have to be okay with that.
1: Yeah. and No, I love it. And that's where I had a lady at one point where it was going to confront her narcissistic dad at a particular situation. And she worked hard to get to the point where she felt like, I don't think I need to, to then feel like she was in a spot where she said, but now I can. And even though, even if I get gaslit, even if I, you know, cause yeah, cause it can have a net negative Mm -hmm. effect if somebody goes in with expectations. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Like that. It just re more injury, more injury, more injury. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Yep. And I will say in this point, even though I, in that moment that I was like, we're done, we're not doing this. I wasn't trying to get to her necessarily later. Something happens where we really, we really made a mistake on that one. Where oh, we're trying okay, to get. okay. So it gets better. Okay. But, so I'm anyway, I have that confrontation. Everyone's crying. I leave crying. I'm like calling my mom, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, this is so bad. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, we got to leave. You know, I just want to leave. And my husband comes out and he's like, "So our sister-in-law, bless her heart. She thought, well, maybe it would be helpful if we all sit in the living room and talk.
1: That's adorable. Yes. Of course I will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She'll she'll see the her ways. Everybody will work uh-huh. it out. Yeah, no, that's that sounds great.
2: And my only thinking was, I'm like, oh, this is not gonna go great. Yeah. But I said to myself, for years I had known she had set her eyes on me, right? As her, what do you call it? Her uh
1: were you the hope?
2: Oh, in the family. Her, oh, you're talking her, about the, you know, the mom. Yes. My mother-in-law,
1: sorry. Yeah, yeah. You were set yeah, her were the eyes. Adversary. On me, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: I'm the adversary. I'm the problem. And so I was like kind of always trying to get everyone to really see it to like, you guys see how but everyone would just like, oh I don't know. So I'm like, fine, this is an opportunity for everyone to see that this is true. Okay. And so we we go in and everyone's sitting there. And she just turns, my mother-in-law turns to me and just looks me dead in the eye and says, well, my biggest problem is with you. And in my mind, she just says it. And I'm like, okay, everyone knows now that (laughs) I'm, she has a problem with me. Of course, it doesn't go great after that, right? Everyone kind of proceeds to try to... Share various things and experiences. What is she doing? She's feeling attacked. She's feeling, like you said in that podcast the other day. She's feeling like you're bad. We're yep. good. We're good. All right? or nothing.
1: Black or white. Yeah,
2: exactly. And so it doesn't go great. And even I get caught up in it, you know, because yeah, it's yeah. emotional. And at some point, I'm just like, this is not going anywhere. And I'm upset, and angry, and feeling still kind of alone. That was a lot of theme here. A lot. It was very much yeah. feeling alone in the family because. I was the one kind of saying like, and because, you know, I'm a therapist, I'm seeing it all, you know, yep. everyone doesn't have that background, but I'm trying to hold new boundaries and everyone's just like not trying that at all. And so I'm just, mm. I felt very alone in our family for many years. And so there I'm just feeling it, feeling it, feeling it. And I'm just like, I'm done subjecting myself to this. And so... <laughs> I don't know how you feel about link choice language in this. Um, I, I, episode, think I can, uh,
1: I can click a box that says explicit and we're good to go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I don't have to say the word, but I, okay. I'm not a, like I grew up as a, I'm a pastor's kid. So I'm not <laughs> someone who just grew up like cussing people out yes. or anything, but yeah. I just had it and I just stand up in the room and I'm like, F this, I'm okay. done. We're leaving. Okay. And she follows me into the room. I'm like, please don't follow me. Please stay away from me. You know, I'm just a mess. And I could tell in that moment, she's like, oh, shoot. If we don't fix this now, I might never see my son again.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And so she's trying to like reel it in, reel it in, reel it in. And I'm literally like, leave me alone. Get out of this room. Like packing all the things. My husband comes in. Again, here comes that dysfunctional family dynamic. (laughs) And he's like, let's just go for a drive and like, then we'll figure stuff out. So we go for a drive and I'm just like sobbing. You know, we're talking and we get back to the house and my brother and sister-in-law are just upstairs like nothing ever happened. We feel this feeling of like, if we leave, how does that look? Mm. We feel sort of this fear. I think he did more, but yeah. we ended up staying. Oh wow! And we shouldn't have, yeah. we really shouldn't have. But it was like, well, everyone else is going to act like they're okay. And I felt a little bit of this. I was still struggling with like, I'm always the bad guy in the family. I don't like that feeling. I don't want to be that. And here's my sister-in-law just being loved and sweet and not ever making waves. And I'm kind of jealous. And, you know, I want to be like that. And so I'm like, well, we should maybe stay, I guess, too, because Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the black sheep. I don't want to be that person and so we stayed, and that's one of the biggest regrets I have, honestly, because okay. I think that would have been a really clear boundary at that point. Yeah. Like, we don't stay when this stuff happens. Yeah. But then we get through the next day and we leave. And I could tell when we left that she was, my mother in law was internally scared,
1: right? About will she see any of us again? Yeah. <laughs> And don't you feel like they take on that role of a little kid who got scolded yes. and now they're bad, oh, they're in trouble. Yeah.
2: Yes. I yeah. saw that from her so much. I have seen her. In fact, in the last few years, we've had to deal with a lot of shit with her stuff. Uh-huh. Sorry. <laughs> and she um we didn't see her for almost two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And this last time I saw her, she was like a wounded bird around me. Yeah. She was like this just crumpled little bird. And I just watched, watched it in amazement. It just was mm-hmm. so interesting. And I've seen her do that a few other times in our marriage, but, you know, I think what I learned from that whole thing was like, <laughs> I feel empathy for that version of me, Yeah, you know, because she just didn't know everything I know now. Yeah. And I, and it's helped me to work with these other families
0: mm-hmm.
2: because they could easily be in these situations on the holidays and Christmas had I known what I would know now, I never would have stayed home with them ever, yeah. you know, on a yeah. family vacation. There's so many things I would have done differently. And because of that situation was just, it was like the trauma that she was around after my birth. And then it was the family thing. I was then just an anxious wreck around her oh. for a long time. I had to do a lot of therapy. Okay. Me as a couple did a lot of therapy. I mean, this was 2013. So I think just in the last year and a half, really, my husband has finally kind of come to a healthy place within okay. himself around all of
1: this. Yeah,
2: And if there's so many things, it's it's complicated. But I just thought that's a fun holiday story because well, well, many it, people are going to yeah. find themselves in this.
1: <laughs> they are. And just knowing that, uh, and I, pr- I appreciate this so much because, yeah, you didn't know what you didn't know. You're giving yourself that mm-hmm. compassion. But I feel like that part that I talk about on the podcast often is when you are standing up to the narcissist, it. Means they push more buttons and they get bigger, oh, yeah. and that's hard because you know typically it's the nice person that's trying to finally stand up for justice and what's yes. right. But then when the narcissist then goes big, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, that that shows. I appreciate your story because then that next day and you are feeling I don't like being the bad guy, and yeah, it shows you feel, how people fall in line. Yeah,
2: yeah, you feel like maybe I'm overreacting. So the gaslighting yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot yeah. of that because everyone else in the family is like we're just going to move on. We're going to be fine. We don't, and I'm just like wrecked inside. And then I'm going, I spent years feeling like, am I overreacting? Am mm. I making this too big of a thing? You know, just yeah. feeling like it was me. Right. And that is, that is not a fun place to be for that many years. No. And it was really hard. And yes, I dealt with tons of anxiety. I mean, every time we'd have any family family, visitor, my hands would sweat, my heart would be racing. Yeah. It was traumatic for me. I think just because I didn't expect her to be the way she was from the get go, you know, and
1: how could you I mean, especially not it, yeah. we just go in with these expectations and assumptions that people do think relatively similar to how we do. Right. And, and I think that's mm-hmm. hard because I feel like the people in my office spend so much time even trying to make sense of what doesn't make sense yes. or you know, I'm sure they're hurting or I'm sure they're struggling too. And so I don't like that feeling. So maybe I need to let them know or reach out to them. And, you know, maybe we can just now have a conversation. All those things that are, it's, it's part of that. I feel like that process that you have to go through and you have to yes. go through it. Right.
2: Yeah. You yeah. kind of do. Yeah. Which is unfortunate.
1: Yeah. But I feel like stories like yours, or when people can listen to podcasts, or I've got this private women's group, or I feel like the more that they hear the Mm -hmm. stories, I feel like it can maybe speed up the process. I don't 10%, 15%, which I know doesn't sound incredible. But if that's a year or more, that it can help somebody get through this quicker, because boy, it does. When you think about all the emotional calories spent and energy spent on trying to figure out or what's wrong with or, yeah.
2: And you know, I have to credit my I had an EMDR therapist for four years. Okay, she's just I love her to death, and she helped me work through so much of that. Mm-hmm. And the thing I think one of the things that really stuck with me is giving that negative energy to the person. Like I, yeah. realized the more that I kept kind of ruminating and hyper focusing on all the awful stuff she would do, right? Because mm-hmm. she would do some awful stuff over okay. the years, but all it did was hurt me because. I wasn't helping anything by just yeah. trying to get justice or trying yeah. to fight back or trying to get my husband to fight back. Yeah. It only really hurt me. And it actually continued to give her power yes. in our marriage. And I just was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to give yeah. that to her anymore.
1: And when I go back, even when we were talking earlier and I'm saying, okay, but can it be setting a boundary and not trying to have the aha moment. And I still feel like at, when somebody is through it, well past whatever the break was with the narcissist mm-hmm. that they often do almost find themselves in a spot where they feel like maybe if I would have been able to just pull this zen in mindfulness thing, I would have <laughs> calmly just grabbed my stuff and left, you know, and that I, yeah. but I feel like it, again, we, but we have to go through it because I still feel like our brain still trying to make sense of things, even if we are aware, because yep. I think that's why I struggle with that going back from, all right, I promise I'm not trying to get them to understand, but here's this boundary. Even if it's to lead the people out of the wilderness or whatever, but then I still kind of go back to this place of, but then I feel like down the road, we do, we kind of feel like, what would that have looked like if I could have just left calmly and quietly and known that I never was going to get that exactly right. But then I don't think that can happen in the moment. I don't think it can. I don't know if that's something. Yeah, because we're just.
2: No, I just think we're so heightened in our own emotional yeah. state, right? We're human. Yeah. We're human. We're not. Yeah. And especially when you have so many years built up of stuff, yeah. right? And then that situation like that, where everyone's talking about all the things and the family that have happened, you just, you're human. You're going to respond in a human way, even yeah. if you know the right way to be in that moment.
1: You know what's right? funny? I, I ran into one story of someone telling me about a friend of theirs. And this is so funny because I feel like I've got one example of where a woman was in a relationship with a guy that had extreme narcissistic traits. And then when she was aware of it, then she mm-hmm. left. And and it yeah. sounds so simplistic, but even then this person, this was saying, how did she do it? And then she identified that she grew up with a secure attachment at uh-huh. home. So, right. She had been taught that, well, you don't put up with that sort yeah. of thing. You don't waste time yeah. or energy. And so I feel like it's almost <clears> sad <throat> to think that I've got one anecdotal example of that, because I think maybe that's yeah. what my brain wants to say. How do we help people get to the point where, Oh, I'm not putting up with this at all, but yes. Yeah.
2: But if most people don't come from healthy attachments, which I find, I have a curiosity about all of it too. the thing I wonder about just because I have, I would say like 70% of who I see, they have some family member with narcissistic traits, you know, they're dealing with. I'm like, why is it so pervasive? (laughs) Have you thought about this? Like, Oh, all the time. Is it like, because of the generational stuff, like the parents yeah. in our, you know, parents generation were just not very emotional and they didn't, yep. you know, I mean, I know hey. why my mother-in-law's the way she is. She came from a ton of abuse and yeah. all
1: that stuff, but you know, Oh, oh Kristen, so just, I, I'm getting all excited now. Cause I feel like this, <laughs> I think about this constantly because yeah. when, when I started identifying this population, working more and more with it, identifying my own narcissistic traits, tendencies, emotional uh-huh. maturity. Then I think it was early on in the waking up the narcissism podcast, right? I was very intentional on shifting it to emotional immaturity versus narcissistic traits yeah. and tendencies. Because I feel like when you look at it through the, we're all emotionally immature until we're not, Uh then I go, Uh I do, I do kind of call it generational narcissism because I feel like you go back to like my parents or my parents' parents and nobody dealt with emotion. Like that was weakness. And so then you, uh, the kids were growing up, absolutely not seeing it modeled and not having somebody take ownership and you don't, and you rub a little dirt Mm -hmm. in it. And And I did one on the virtual couch recently about anxious attachment where it was kind of, you know, sorry, moms in a sense. Right. But it was saying if the mom didn't feel, you know, when she needed to feel like a good mom, she's like, come over here and give me a hug. But when, but then she's managing dad's emotions, she's managing all these other things. So when the kid has a need for validation, she may say, man, not right now. Or you know what? It's really not a big deal. Or even a good mm-hmm. mom is doing that. So now the the kid yeah. then exits into a relationship and then they're saying, all I want to do is be loved and heard. But then when somebody turns that on them, then they don't know what to do with it. And I think that's why almost every relationship, yes. I see the pursuer and the withdrawer kind of a concept. Uh-huh. So, (laughs)
2: yeah. (laughs) Right. And then you got to
1: deal with that and self-confront. So I still feel like if we can get this message out about everybody is emotionally immature and start from that, then we can, Uh, then we can realize that then we're all enmeshed and codependent. (laughs) Then we go through these. And that's why I like what you're saying earlier. Then we have life things happen. And that's our opportunity to say, whoa, look at how I respond and how do you respond? But boy, we got to get that message out early, you know? Yeah. So, so do you mind a couple more minutes or two? Do you, what is no, sure. that? So so now what does that look like in your practice then? Because when you were saying about it earlier, there's a part of me wants to try to find patterns and everything. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Does somebody but are the traumatic experiences a lot more medical trauma? Are they emotional trauma? Are they, you know, is there a correlation of somebody that is worried they're gonna do it wrong because of their family dynamic of, of birth or or loving their kid? Or I don't know. Do you see where I'm, I I know I'm just throwing you just out. mean
2: like in my you're not talking about narcissism, but you're just talking about in no. my work. No, yeah, yeah, what am I yeah, yeah, I mean, all of those things. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think what's a, a through thread probably for every yes. single one though is, especially if there's birth trauma, you're playing out whatever unhealthy attachment you had as a child in your birth room. So whether it's I'm not heard, I'm or it's not you're playing it out, but it gets played out. Okay. Um, so most people in motherhood or birth are something from their childhoods going to come up. So it's all family connected. Yeah. <laughs> right. So though we're working on minimizing initial really severe symptoms first, let's get the depression under, you know, handled, whether it's like meds or more sport or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's like, usually then there's space to be like, okay, well, what you know, what internal, like with EMDR, it's like, what's the internal negative belief about self, right? So usually we'll go to that place and oh, where did that come from? And then we end up inevitably doing family work because Uh it's all connected
1: that's it so that's no kristen like that's because i did another thing on this limiting -limiting Mm self-limiting beliefs and like looking at where those come from and so i yeah so i can only imagine if somebody had a traumatic experience or they experienced depression or any of those things that do they go right to the what's wrong with me or i must not be doing this right always gotcha oh yeah
2: especially with birth trauma every woman goes immediately to i did something wrong oh it was me instead of, oh, that doctor messed up or those nurses weren't, you know, or something just happened. It just, just happened. happened.
1: Yeah. It's yeah.
2: always, and I experienced that within my own self with my birth traumas, like I must have done something wrong. Yeah. So, and that's because when we were, you know, we it's there is that through line oh. of like, if I already believe that I do stuff wrong or I'm bad or, you know, I'm whatever, I deserve this or if whatever that sort of negative internal belief is, it's going to come back it's going to just come up in that moment.
1: Right. Yes. Oh, that, Um, I think you just, you just said that, that makes so much sense of the, as a kid, I mean, we default to Mm -hmm. shame because we have that vibe of if my parents aren't responding to my needs and we don't understand. Then it's like, well, it must be me. I had to have done something. It must be me. Yeah.
2: So then if I'm in the birth room and people aren't responding to me or listening or I'm not pushing right or I'm, you know, and there's so much like language that happens in a birth room Uh, Doctors and nurses—they don't realize too how they pile on that. Like, you know, you're not doing this enough, or you're blah blah blah. You know, so it just piles on uh, all of that already. Yeah. So yeah, Uh, it's pretty—it's intense. (laughs) And
1: then I go back to that, and when I use the acceptance and commitment therapy skills of, how about you're doing nothing wrong? That's the first time you're in that moment, having that experience. Whether it's your first kid or your eighth kid, it's still that first time you're there. And Mm -hmm. so, oh, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. Yes.
2: But till you kind got to go back and clear out where that initial negative belief came from, it's hard for them to believe that in the birth. Yeah. Um, memory. Yeah. So it's like they, you have to kind of go backward and say, well, where did that start? Where did that come from? You know, and,
1: and then, then you look forward. Do you just see people just get rid of a lot of just heavy, heavy guilt and shame then like, yes. because of that work or that experience? Wow. Yes,
2: I find that it's very effective. Oh, Unless dude. the person is somewhat personality disordered, which yeah. I have a few of. You yeah. know, that's harder. Yeah. That's really hard because <laughs> there's that lack of insight and awareness. But for the most part, I mean, I have women I'll see like three times and we do that trauma work and it's like, thumb cleared, you okay. know? It yeah. doesn't mean they won't have other stuff come up, but like right. some of that really intense stuff. Yeah.
1: They, they they needed permission to know that they were okay or that that happened yeah. or yeah, because oh man, yeah. look at that one, because we get our sense of self through external validation of parents. So if parent is emotionally unavailable or emotionally immature, then we never got validation for much of anything. So sometimes, you know, just having somebody say, Hey, you're okay. That's all right. You did yes. your best. Yeah. Oh, but then getting kind, them
2: kind of to say it to them Yeah. themselves. Right. They yeah. have to kind of parent their own self too. Not just for me. Well, you know, And it's, it's like I though. give them permission.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I like that because one of the things I'm, I've been writing about, and I haven't really talked about it much, but was the concept of where – so you take a – let's just take the stereotype, you know, because I have guys that will say you always talk about the guy being the narcissist. But just for the sake of argument, the <laughs> wife gets out of that a narcissistic relationship. So one could yeah. – One could say that they got into that relationship because they didn't know what they didn't know. And they saw unhealthy relationship modeled in as a kid, which would probably come with the they didn't get the external validation. So they were trying to fix and smooth and be the peacekeeper. And they go into the relationship as the one that, you know, I got to be kind and fix and be whoever I need to be Mm -hmm. to keep the Mm -hmm. peace. So no sense of self. And so then they get in the narcissistic relationship and then absolutely don't find themselves because they're continually trying to manage the emotions of a you know, a 10 year old boy that's in an adult yep, yep. suit. Right. And so then they get out of that relationship. And I've noticed that now when I'm helping that person, now it's, a, I say, okay, you get to be whoever you want to be. But then, yes, but then it's they're saying, okay, who is that? Right. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is you uh-huh. now. Right. But now you're dealing with this adult person who has never had the validation from another human yes. being. And that can be a really scary place. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes me think of a couple. Kinds stuff. similar, yeah, 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 yeah. So I like what you're but saying, then also been, ex- yes.
1: Oh, you go, yeah, no, go ahead. Well, well I was gonna say, so I know, right? But I like what you're saying about though, giving them permission <laughs> because I've been really looking at the fact of okay, I don't want to step into. A, another narcissistic space, and then say, I will volunteer to be the person to give you validation. But there is a, right. a part where it's like, okay, but they do need to, as Sue Johnson says in EFT, we, we're designed to deal with emotion in concert with another human. But it's not mm-hmm. supposed to be the human that's only dealing with us in concert to get their needs met. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So we got to figure out who that person is. But maybe if it's with the permission to then do and be, even if it doesn't feel like it's, the right thing. I mean, I would even challenge what that means. So, you're right. We're nerding out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, like, okay. Because that
2: made me oh. go on another line. Oh, sorry. No, I just was thinking about how I'm noticing the men, the yeah. men and the immaturity there in marriage. Is, and it takes very pervasive.
0: Wait.
1: Yes. Well, and that's where I feel like that one, but as a guy and dealing with a lot of that population and uh-huh. getting a lot of, I mean, the feedback from the narcissism podcast is almost overwhelming with the amount of it, which I'm grateful for, but it's people that are pouring their heart out wanting help because they finally feel heard or have a voice. And so yeah. the, men, the men that reach out to me and I'm getting more of those, I'm going to do something with a men's group, but where they're saying, okay, I know I have this emotional immaturity or these traits or tendencies, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to stop them because I feel like you know, right. male brain is hardwired to... Yeah, things go through this part of the brain that has the emotional empathy, but it does such a brief stop to get right to the, but what do we do about it? So, and then I've been talking about like implicit memory or what it feels like to be you based off a residue of lived experience year after year. Mm -hmm. And so their brain just jumps right to it. So even when I give somebody these four pillars and they're saying, no, I'm aware of my emotional maturity and I want to change. It's like, it is hard to get them to pause long enough to say, tell me more. Or what does that feel like? Cause even when they feel like they get it, it's like, No, okay, I get it. So that's hard. I'm glad she said it. But so now, you know, they go right to solution, which can still leave the wife feeling unheard Mm -hmm. and unseen. And then when I stop the guy and say, Man, you're doing great, but can you pause and really sit with that discomfort and try to feel what she's feeling? That's the part where I I watch somebody who's trying hard but go little kid like, Uh like, I don't want to. Like, Uh uh-huh. This feels icky, you know. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. I scheduled, I, I yeah. unfortunately scheduled a client after our interview. No worries. Or else I, talk, actually,
2: I also have one. Do,
1: do you? Okay. So Chris <laughs> so, yeah. so can people, can people get a hold of you? I mean, I was curious. That was one of the things that was yeah. interesting. I love that you sent like, Hey, I've got a story and I, and now <laughs> I feel like people are going to listen to this and say, I would like to talk to her. So, or I mean, oh, are that's you, nice. yeah. Do you feel like you y- are open yeah. to people reaching out? Okay. Yeah, Sure okay so do you want them to contact you through my stuff or do you want do you have a website or i mean i have i have
2: a website my website's just
1: kristen hill therapy perfect
2: Uh, then i have an email i think and your assistant i think has it too
1: but okay Hill therapy at gmail.com perfect okay so i'll put that in the show notes and then please come back on let's nerd out again
2: oh yeah that that was fun yeah no it was a lot of fun